0: Thank you so much, God. We can't ever praise you enough and you're worthy of it all. God, I pray that what we just sang would be true, that we would lift you high to be the first in our hearts, our minds, our lives. For all that you've done for us, that we would give our lives over to you. God, I pray today that We would learn something new, that we would be challenged in in some way to do that. To put you first in our lives, to to exemplify your love for us, to others around us. And we love you and we praise you, and it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat.
1: Good morning, and welcome to Bridgewater. I hope you had a great Christmas. I hope you got some time with some friends and some family, and I really hope that this new year is starting to kick off really well for you. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I am excited to finally be back after Christmas break. It's good to be back in the room with all of you, and so. After Christmas, uh, my family and I, we drove down to the Philly suburbs to celebrate the life of Shayna's grandmother. She passed away at 98, so that was uh, fun to celebrate her, and uh, while we were there, we were staying with Shayna's parents, and on New Year's Eve, um, Shana and I, we, we don't stay up late because we have little kids, and our little kids wake up early despite how late you stay up, right? And so, we just think that staying up to see a giant disco ball drop from 70 feet in the air is a little ridiculous. So, we go to bed around 10:15 at night, and uh, we put our, our nine-month-old baby to bed in a pack-and-play in the bedroom next to us, and uh, around 11.58, my nine-month-old Evelyn begins to wake up, and she's crying, and It's starting off a little soft, it's starting off subtle, and uh, I just kind of like roll over and go back to bed and pretend like I don't hear anything, hoping that maybe in a few minutes she'll just go back to bed. Well, a few minutes goes by and she is not planning on going back to bed. Apparently, she wants to see the ball drop. So... I am hoping that she's going to go back to bed. And now she is starting to ramp everything up. The the sound is getting louder. And at that moment, I find myself wanting two different things. One, I want to go back to sleep. I'm tired. I really want to go to sleep. But on the other hand, I know that Shayna spends more time up at night with this baby than I do. And I want to help Shayna. And so there I am, wanting two things that are mutually exclusive. And in my mind, I begin to contemplate should I take out my noise canceling AirPods and put those in my ear and play some worship music so that I can go back to bed? And in those moments, I begin thinking about both of those things. I want sleep, I want to go to bed, but I also want to help Shana. And so what do I do? Well, I take out my AirPods and put my AirPods in my ears. I find a podcast that I want to listen to. I hit play, and then I go and I get Evelyn. And then we walk around and we ring in the new year together as she slowly calms down. But there are more serious examples in our lives, right? I mean, have you been there? Have you ever found yourself wanting two things that are mutually exclusive? I mean, I want to follow Jesus, but I also really want to do what I want. I want to be sober, but I also really want to drink again. I want to have a, a life of prayer, but I also want to stay up watching Netflix and Hulu, and I want to sleep in in the morning, and I want Both of these things. And and inside each of us is this war. There's this battle. There's this conflict going on where often we find ourselves wanting two things. Sometimes they both seem like good, but I really want this, but I also really want that. So what do you do? How do you chase that down? How do you change? How do you make that decision? How do you reset your life? And that's the series that we're in today. So if you have your Bibles, go to Galatians chapter three. If you don't have a Bible or a device, that's fine. We'll put it on the screen behind me. Last Sunday, Pastor Matt from Halstead kicked off this set called Reset, this series called Reset. And he posed this question, what does God think is possible for my new year? As we begin to reset for the new year, we need to ask God, hey, what do you think God might be doing? What does God want to do? What does God think is possible for my life in this new year? And so while you're turning to the book of Galatians, let me give you a little bit of the background. You see, Paul has planted this church in Galatia, and he has written a letter to them because they're struggling. This church is filled with a group of Jewish Christians. They've come out of Judaism, and there's some teachers that have kind of snuck into this church, and these teachers are beginning to teach some things that aren't really all that accurate. And so they've begun to believe that you need to Follow Jesus by putting your faith in him and then also adding all of these works and rules and rituals and ceremonies. And now they're conflicted. And Paul is writing this letter saying, Look, it's not about the rules, it's not about the ceremonies. I mean, that would be exhausting to, to wonder and think, okay, have I done enough? And so that is the challenge that's going around in their minds. Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to start reading in verse 2. Here's what Paul says. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh. So here Paul is asking them a rhetorical question, right? It's not meant to be answered out loud, but he's saying, look, you have come to Jesus by putting your faith in him. You've come to Jesus by faith alone, by grace alone, and now do you actually think you're going to grow by doing more works, by doing more rituals, by doing more ceremonies I mean, that is absolutely crazy. It's not Jesus plus works. It's just about Jesus. And so as we begin to reset for the new year, Paul is saying that true change is available only through the life-transforming work of the Holy Spirit. That there's only two change agents we see in the Bible. It's the Word of God, and it's the Spirit of God. That if you want to change this year, if you really want to see authentic life change happen to you, it's going to be by spending time in God's Word and allowing the Holy Spirit to transform your life. That's it. It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And you might be asking, okay, well, how do I do that? What... Does that look like? Paul is going to get really, really practical for us. So fast forward a couple chapters and go into chapter 5. We're going to look at what does this look like. Chapter 5, slide over, verse 16. Here's what Paul says. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So, Paul, he's commanding these believers in Galatia and all believers who read this text to do this one thing to walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? He's talking about this habitual, continuous lifestyle of walking by the Spirit. Walking implies what? Implies progress, right? I'm going to get from point A to point B. I'm moving somewhere. I'm walking this way. I'm moving, and I'm doing it, how? By the Spirit. It's a continuous thing. As a follower of Jesus... I need to be striving to walk by the Spirit. And he says, when I walk by the Spirit, I will not, what? I will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so there are these two things that inside of us, there's the Spirit and there's the flesh. And they are at conflict with each other. There's two things that I want. I want to follow Jesus. But man, I also really want to do what I want to do. Gratify. It's the idea of indulging or feeding the flesh. Feeding the desires of the flesh. And so what does that look like? It's indulging, it's feeding it something. It's kind of like the algorithms that you see on social media. I mean, have you ever noticed that things that show up in your feed are not the same as your friends or neighbors or coworkers. Have you figured out how that works? Right? So I, I did a, a fun little test last night. I I pulled up Instagram. If you look at my feed, it's gonna be filled with like um, CrossFit stuff, working out stuff and preaching stuff, and that's what will show up. And so last night I just did an experiment and I began to I typed in woodworking. I have no desire to work with wood or make anything out of wood. That's just not my skill set, okay? I will break something or hurt my thumb really badly. So I just searched woodworking, and I started liking and commenting on all sorts of people. that I have no idea who they are, but they made some really cool stuff. And then this morning, I opened up my feed, and guess what's there? Woodworking. Whatever you feed that algorithm with will begin to show up and repopulate in your feed. The same is true with the flesh. If you begin to feed the flesh, if you begin to indulge the flesh with certain ideas and concepts and wants, guess what's gonna keep showing up and keep showing up and keep pulling on you? Those things that you've been feeding. Paul says, when I walk by the Spirit, I will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Whatever you're gonna feed it with, that's where you're gonna go. And so how do I walk in the spirit? I would say you've got to yield to it, right? It's like driving in those ridiculous roundabouts. Anybody hate the roundabouts? Because no, everybody hates it because nobody actually knows the rules, right? I'm going to give you the rule, okay? When you enter into the, drive, the roundabout, who has the right-of-way? The person already in the circle, all right? You are supposed to yield to them. They have the right-of-way. The same is true with God, that if you want to walk in the Spirit, you have to yield control over to Him. You have to surrender control to Him, and it starts in some of the smallest mundane areas of your life. Because we see the biggest problem in our lives, and we want to go after them because they are destroying us. They are the worst habits in our lives. We just want to chase after that. Let me ask you, are you following God? Are you listening and obeying to God in the smallest areas of your life? Are you serving? Are you giving at all to God? When there's that that thing that you know you shouldn't do, when there's that that comment you know you shouldn't say, when there's that joke you know you shouldn't tell, that joke you know you shouldn't laugh at, that, that show you know you shouldn't watch, do you say yes or no to that? But I really want this massive habit to go down. It starts with the smallest, most mundane issues and habits in our life. You know, a lot of things I hear in our, in our culture is you do you and be true to yourself, right? Be true to which self? I mean, I want to sleep and I want to help Shana. I want to eat candy bars and cake and I want to be healthy. Which self should I be true to? You do you, Tim. And the culture is promising that if I do me, if I be true to my own self, I will be happy, But is that really happiness? Is that really happening for us? How is that really working out for us? Paul says, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But first of all, you you should probably know where that be true to yourself comes from. It comes from Hamlet. And the guy who's saying that is the fool in the story. The fool in the story is saying, be true to yourself. Is that the advice you really want to follow? from that guy, God's advice is this. Don't worry about being happiness. If you want to change, if you want to reset your life, walk in the Spirit. How do we do that? I think it's it's yielding to the Spirit. It's surrendering to the Spirit. Paul talks about in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3, putting off the old and putting on the new. He gives us the example of Putting off lying and putting on telling the truth, you put putting off anger and start solving problems biblically. And so if you want to change, if you want to walk in the spirit, it will require us to put off the old habit and put on a Christ-centered habit. Look back at, at verse 17. He says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and what is contrary to the flesh. They are in what? Conflict with each other. The spirit and the flesh are at conflict with each other. And so you need to understand that the flesh, he's not talking about your skin. He's talking about these desires inside of you. You and I, we're spring-loaded to want some things that are not good for us. You and I are spring-loaded to seek after the things that we want. We're spring-loaded to sin. That's the flesh. That's this sinful desires. It's like any war, right? When two countries are at war, typically they're fighting over geographical control or political control or something of a mix, right? Because control brings influence, These desires, the spirit and the flesh, they're fighting, they're in conflict with each other. They want control over our heart. With that control comes influence. So if you want to really change, if you really want to reset this year, you got to realize whatever controls my thoughts, that's going to influence my behavior, right? Verse 18 says this, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. It's by walking by the Spirit. It's by being led by the Spirit. It's yielding control. God, you have the right of way. God, I'm surrendering to you. I'm not going to pull into traffic knowing when I shouldn't. I'm surrendering to you. I'm listening. I'm obeying, even in the smallest areas of my life recognizing, God, if I'm going to change, it's not going to be me white knuckling it. It's not going to be me putting more laws and more rules and more regulations down. It's God. This is what you say to do. I'm going to do it. Even in this smallest area of my life, I'm going to do it. Paul goes on and he says, here, I'm going to show you the results of living under the flesh and living under the spirit side by side. Take a look at verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, And envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's interesting that in this list, he has witchcraft and envy, (laughs) witchcraft and selfishness, all in the same list. You and I find ourselves in this list. That when we walk according to the flesh, there is fruit. There's evidence of that. It's fleshly. It looks like that list of sins. And then he says, Look, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Whoa, 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 Tim, are you saying that if I do these things that I won't be in heaven? No. Paul says, those who live like this. It's their lifestyle. It's their practice. They are habitually doing these things. You know, there's a huge difference between wrestling and struggling and fighting against these sins and then living in them. Paul says, if you habitually live in them, if it's your practice, if it's your lifestyle, I don't really care. I'm just going to do this. He says, you're probably not a believer. You never were a believer. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here and you're like, I have no idea. That, that list him, that described me to a T. Where did you find that? In the Bible. God is describing what the unbeliever does, what their lifestyle. And if you're here and you're wrestling with those sins, you can change. You can hit that reset button, and it starts by walking in the spirit, yielding control to him, surrendering to him in the most mundane, little, smallest areas of your life. And then he says, okay, if you want to really change, let me compare the the fruit or the evidence of the flesh to the fruit or the evidence of the spirit. Look at verse... 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things, there is no law. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the evidence that you are a believer. And honestly, if I'm going to be really honest and transparent with you, as I look at that list, I go, (laughs) oh, that's not always true of Tim. There are a lot of moments in my life where those things, kindness and goodness is not there. Joy and love is not always there. But I'm striving towards those things. And the way those things begin to show up more in my life is when I walk in the spirit. That when I begin to yield control to him, I begin to put off the old, I begin to put on the new, I begin to think about these things differently. This is a huge contrast. It's the fruit or the evidence of the spirit or the fruit or the evidence of the flesh. It's the flesh and the spirit compared and contrasted to each other. And you can't just take Good fruit and start stapling it up to you and say, look, there's good fruit. You can't just take good fruit and staple it on a bad dead tree. You've got to do real change that's happening inside your heart, and it starts by walking in the spirit, yielding control to him. The flesh says, he he says, you've got to crucify the flesh. You've got to put it to death. Here's what Paul Tripp says. Sorry. Next. When Christ died, I died. When Christ rose, I rose to a new life because I am united with Christ in his death and the resurrection. The mastery of sin over me has been broken. I no longer have to submit to the members of my body to its rule. In the face of difficulty, I can do and say what is right. When Christ died... I died. When Christ rose, I rose. If you really want to see authentic change in your life, it happens at the cross. And we have to be reminded over and over again, Christ died for my sin. He rose for my sin. He was crucified. He bore the penalty for my sin. And when I placed my faith in him... I died, my sin died, he rose, I rose. So you sit here and you wonder, okay, what, what, is, what is next? How do I deal with these things in my life? When, when I'm wrestling with things that are mutually exclusive, here's the question I want to challenge you with. What fruit of the spirit will you intentionally cultivate this year? This year, as you plan to reset, what fruit will you chase after? But more specifically, how? How are you going to do that? I mean, that's that's really the question. This is a great question, but that doesn't really get us all the way there. The question that puts the rubber to the road is how? How am I going to do that? One, I think you need to evaluate your life. What fruit is missing from your life? What needs to change in your life? You've got to do some real evaluating of yourself. Secondly, like I said earlier, you've got to yield to the Spirit. You've got to surrender control to Him. Listen and obey God in the smallest, most mundane areas of your life. But That also means depending on God for everything. Next, I would say stop feeding the flesh. Stop feeding that algorithm. Whatever you begin to feed the flesh with is going to keep coming up over and over and over again. And I know, resetting an algorithm on social media is pretty easy compared to renewing your mind. Renewing your mind, doing real change is hard work. It requires me to read God's word and meditate on it. There's been times in my life, where I have been surrounded by people and I have felt completely alone. And I began to renew my mind, remind myself with God's word that he is my shepherd, that he will not leave me nor forsake me. And it's God's word reminding me over and over and over again that even as a pastor, I'm not alone so you need to stop feeding your flesh, crucify it, and renew your mind. Put off the old and put on the new. And so one of the ways we want you to do this is we, we made these wallpapers for you. Let me show you the first one. These are all wallpapers for your phone, not your living room, okay? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and there's a QR code. Show me the QR code. You can scan that QR code, go to our Dropbox, you can download one of them or all of them, and you can make that your wallpaper on your smartphone. If you're like, Tim, I have no idea how to do that, um, grab a teenager, they will help you do that, Uh, or ask Jeff Schreckengost, I'm sure he can help you do that as well. So we want to put these tools in your hands to help you, to have a reminder that every time you touch your phone or grab your device, that that is a reminder, this is the thing that I'm working on. So, but this only works if you've made the most important decision of your life, to follow and surrender your life to Jesus If you've asked Jesus to be the leader and forgiver of your life, then you have the ability to walk in the Spirit. If you've done that, the question I want to pose to you is, which fruit of the Spirit is God highlighting in your life today? Which one is he highlighting for you to work on today? Let me pray with you, and then we'll move into communion. Father, we are amazed by your grace, challenged by your word that you have given to us. You've asked us to walk by the Spirit, and you say that when we do that, we will not gratify the desires of our flesh. And I pray that you would help us this year as we reset to begin to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit pray all this in Christ's name, amen. Well, on your way in here, you should have grabbed a communion cup. Looks like this. And I just wanna be really clear what this is and what this is not. This is for the believer. If you're here and you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, this is for you. If you're here and you're like, I'm not really sure what it means to follow Jesus. I'm not really sure I believe in God. Feel free to sit back, watch, think, reflect, But in Galatians 5.24, Paul says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Earlier in Galatians 2, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The reality is, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been crucified with Christ. And so Jesus is sitting with his disciples after he's died on the cross. And he's saying, guys, I want you to do this in remembrance of what I did on the cross for you. When Jesus died on the cross, he took the punishment for you and I. He absorbed all of that. He paid for all of that so that you and I wouldn't have to do that. And so communion is about remembering what Jesus did on the cross. Communion is about remembering that I have been crucified with Christ. The penalty of sins has been paid for. And with that, you have been made white as snow. So as we reflect on the cup, it reminds us of the new covenant. As we reflect on the bread, it reflects us back to the grace of God on our lives, that we do that in remembrance of him. So if you're here this morning and you know that Jesus is your Savior, but you haven't really been living like it, then take this time to reflect on that commitment. You know, man, I need a reset. In a lot of ways, this is a great time to remember what he's done for you. That we'd remind ourselves and maybe even renew that commitment to him. So on the cross, the lamb of God paid for your sins and my sins. It was the lamb of God that took the punishment for all of us. The the punishment that you and I deserved and Jesus says, I don't want you to forget that. I want you to remember what he did on the cross. So in this meal, I want you to take that bread and let's do that in remembrance of Christ. Just as the bread symbolizes the body of of Jesus, This blood is symbolized here by this this juice. Again, it doesn't save you. It doesn't make you right with God. But we, we do this in remembrance of him. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. God, we are grateful that we can Take communion and do this in remembrance of you. We're grateful that you sent Jesus to be the lamb, the perfect holy sacrifice for us, that we can reflect back on on what you did in remembrance that as you died on the cross for our sins, you paid for all of it. And so we think about that, we remember that, and we ask that you would help us to continually remember that for the rest of our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: Stand and sing with us.
2: save you
0: Thank you so much for singing. Uh, we're going to put that, that QR slide back on the screen. If you didn't get a chance, please scan that. Uh, take some of those wallpapers, but have a great rest of your day.